Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the P13 Podcast. We are back again. It is a Tuesday, hopefully when you are listening to this, or whatever day you're listening to this. This drops on Tuesday, every Tuesday. You get a new episode from myself and the soulful Han Solo of the fitness world. The Mandalorian also. I know you just lost your shirt, but... Dadalorian. Dadalorian. Yeah, I lost my Dadalorian shirt. That is the one and only Mr. Thomas middle name Conway. You don't know my middle name? Actually, I don't know your middle name. I don't know yours either. Should we say that for outside the podcast? I mean, I'm. Not, are you ashamed of your middle name? No. Well, no. <laughs> you had to think about it? <laughs> I didn't think about it because there's two parts to my middle name. Oh, this is interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you mine first. Should I go first? Sure. My middle name is Christopher. Oh, Thomas Christopher Aloysius Conway. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Aloysius the third. Aloysius actually. the third. Uh, yeah, after my father. My father is Christopher Conway. Shout out, Papa Conway. Papa Conway, what's up? Right on. Mine's Michael Allen Calla, but if I guess that's more the legal name. I okay. actually don't know, but my parents, when they named me, it's Michael Allen McPolly Calla. That's Mig my Polly. That's my mom's maiden name. Oh, got it. Yeah. But, but the Alan's legal one on Alan. your birth. Okay. Yeah. So they just wanted to throw that in there. Did they do that with your sister? Yes. Oh, they did. Yeah. So both of you ha technically have. McPolly is her. McPolly. Is that Filipino? Uh. I'm going to say yes at the moment, but I really don't know off the top of my head for sure. Almost sounds Irish. Potentially. I don't know. How'd that get in there? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Ancestry.com. <laughs> the Philippines we'll, we'll was once a part of Spain. That's all I know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. we have a lot of, we were Spanish, Spanish influence. Ruled, yeah. Ruled and influenced. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. maybe it's something in there. But how are you today? Doing great. Doing great. We're recording on a Friday, for those of you that are wondering. Another new setup. I mean, maybe it's more so the background, but this looks really nice in here, too, with this new light. It does. You can't see it in here, but when, uh, and you can't see it on the video anyway. So that's that's good, actually. Yeah, yeah. But it's bright. It's bright. It's bright. In a good way. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I like this, like this new setup. Um, oh, and they're uh, shout-out StudioPod. They are working on their room too once you get a chance it looks kind of cool in there Ooh, yeah studio pod expanding studio pod shout out. expansion shout out tj what's up tj he's in mexico city right now we hope you're doing well having fun out there eating good food michelin star restaurants yep yep learning some spanish yep don't get lost don't get lost <laughs> come Be back in one who piece you trust there you go uh but yeah well let's move on from the welcomes or was that the best word for that yeah the introduction moving introductions on. yeah salutations oh, salutations, salutations. <laughs> uh to today's topic that we will be diving into i'll say it up front this time today's topic is frequency as the dictionary has it it is 
defined as the number of occurrences of a repeating event per unit of time. In training, frequency is important. If you listen to some of our previous podcasts, especially as of late, you would very well know the most important formula, the... Pulitzer Prize. No, that's for writing a book. That's writing Nobel a book. Prize Nobel winning. Prize winning uh, formula that the the uh, man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Thomas Conway put together here. Would you mm. like to uh, reiterate it to everybody? T plus F equals R. What are those? Time variables? plus frequency equals results. I'll take my Nobel Prize anytime. Okay. Boom. <clears throat> you can send it to me. <laughs> It might be virtual send. Send me an NFT instead Ooh, there you of go. a Nobel Prize. Or some Bitcoin, Dogecoin. Are Dogecoin? they kind of the same? I don't know. Digital currency. Digital currency, some form of that. I'll take it. <laughs> but yes, that is the uh, Nobel Prize winning formula right there for you to get to results. We all know that training is good for the body. It's good for the soul. But how does one know how often should they train? What is too much? What is too little? We'll discuss it upon it we'll discuss upon it here what say you mr conway what say i i say first of all uh the first thing we got to consider and we've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes is what is considered training i've been talking with a lot of people about this recently as well and just some of my own research and my training practice is kind of led me down this thought and and in a sense we are always training right Mm -hmm. we're whether it be sitting whether it be walking uh or just moving about your day your i guess the best way to put this is your brain does not distinguish between the hour that you're moving during your training session and the additional 23 hours well it wouldn't be 23 because you gotta sleep but We'll call it what's uh, eight, uh, six, six, the additional 16, 15 hours 15. that you're awake if you're sleeping eight hours a night, which you should be, uh, or around there. I guess it's individual. But your your brain does not distinguish between moving during training and moving during the rest of your wake time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if we think about it in that sense, everything that you do is a rep. That's true. Right? Picking up your groceries, that's a bicep curl. Sure, if you do bicep curls to pick up your groceries. Why not? I do mean, a bicep curl. To pick up. Do you do a bicep curl from the ground to get the groceries? Are you doing you it deadlift, from... it's a complex. It's, it's a, a complex. Deadlift bicep curl complex. But then you're slinging it over your shoulder. Oh, so then I it's guess, a... I guess, I guess. Then it's a clean. Yeah, then it's clean. Uh, <laughs> fascinating everyday activities. Um, but yeah, so, you know, thinking about it in that sense, everything is a rep. And I think this mostly applies to walking. Um, you know, one thing I've been exploring a bit myself, um, is, uh, some of the go to movement concepts. Mm -hmm. We've talked about, Um, we've we've maybe briefly, yeah, we've maybe briefly mentioned, uh, shout out to go to, uh, if they're ever listening to this, I I don't think they ever would, but, um, uh, well, hope they do. And if they do shout out to you, yeah, I hope they do. Um, maybe we can get you on the podcast at some time. That's the future goal. But yeah, so been diving into that and that essentially essentially their their thought around movement is and training is that you know we have um through reps in our everyday life a lot of people i should say 
have coded poor movement patterns. Mm. And they call that WODA, which is an interesting uh, terminology. It stands for greatest of all time activities, I believe is what they changed it to. It's greatest of all time athletes, but it's, um, they, oh, here's what it is. Greatest of all time actions, greatest of all time actions and worst of all time actions. Ah. Essentially people are sitting in a way that, that reinforces poor movement behavior. They're walking in a way that enforces poor movement behavior. And the more that I kind of dive into that, the more that I see it, uh, often. So I mean, if you're just, if you're walking, take a look at people and how their gait is more often than not, you'll see people duck footed, mm. uh, inside ankle bone is low. Yep. And a lot of times their knees are like locked out, like overextended. Yeah. When what that's doing is making them front chain dominant. Interesting. Which is not good. We want to be back, back chain dominant forward locomotive, uh, creatures, humans for life. (laughs) I'll use the word humans. Um, but yeah, so, so that's the first thing that, that was kind of a segue, but we say, we segue a lot. We do. That's the first thing we got to remember is that, you know, we're getting reps all throughout the day. Yeah. Right. And so I, in my experience as well, I've, I've, as I've focused more on improving those behaviors, my body has felt, has felt better. It seems that it recovers better Mm -hmm. from the intense work that I, that I do participate in. So I think there's a lot that can be gained from focusing on recoding essentially the, the 15 non quote unquote non-training hours of your day. Got it. Right. And that has to do with how are you sitting? What are your resting positions like? Are you sitting on the floor at all? Um, you know, and, and things like that. So it's funny you bring that up because as a sneaker head on my end, <laughs> yeah, I think we've had this discussion we've talked about it, a yeah. little bit, but just to give people context, uh, in the sneaker community, when you buy and sell sneakers, your value gets dependent on the condition of your sneakers. Don't want to crease that shit. Don't want to crease. A lot of people either A, don't like the crease on the toe, or they don't want to crease it because they want to get their value out. Mm-hmm. So much so that people will adjust the way they walk yeah. in order to hold that mm-hmm. standard for whatever reason they're using it for. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such an interesting thing because it's, like going back to the rep, you're essentially yeah. So you're giving your body shitty ass reps. Yeah, even if it's just for that one or two shoes, yeah, you're telling your body to do a few things that probably you don't really want it to do in no. that certain case, no. especially for a shoe and right for monetary reasons or whatever. Well, and you know, it doesn't. That's not the only exclusive example mm-hmm. of clothing. Being restricted. The other thing is sagging pants. Oh, sagging pants. You know, sometimes yeah. I see people with their pants in the middle of their thighs. I oh sound I sound old right now, but it's just like there's no way that that, that is like <laughs> good for you because you're essentially telling your brain that you don't have an ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a huge problem. What about the people who have the pants too tight? Right. 
that's the other thing. If you can't, I mean, in even shirts being too tight, mm-hmm. you know, it can restrict your shoulders and like pull them back excessively. And then you're stuck in retraction and your body can't protract, you know? So it's, yeah. So there's unlimited things that we do. That's just even, even just clothing is a small uh, subset of things that we do in an everyday situation that may be training um, your body to do this as a rep poor reps yeah yeah yeah. so but that again yeah so segue i mean that almost could be its whole own episode but you know that's the first thing is that you're getting reps doing everything because Mm -hmm. of the brain and how it interprets our outside environment Right. The outside stimulus. And it's constantly adapting. Like like mm-hmm. we talked about with Chandler, Dr. Chandler. Nervous system and brain is constantly adapting to every stimuli that we provide it. Yeah. So that's something we got to remember. So number two in what's considered training, uh, recreational activities. Right? Yeah. Like so a lot of people participate in recreational activities. Should you account for that in your overall training load? I think that Probably, yes, you should. Yeah. And uh, if you play a pickup soccer game, you're probably at times moving more intensely than you would in a hit cardio session. Yeah. Right. It's just that you don't really think about it because you're doing something that you enjoy so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're not moving as dynamically or as in sporadic of emotion in that hit class as you may be playing soccer. Exactly. So, soccer, you're cutting you know, changing direction very quickly, stopping, stopping, uh, sprinting. So, you know, I do think that that, again, your interpretation of it is maybe less like hard training, but the body sees it probably as the same. Mm -hmm. So that's something that needs to be considered. Are you, you know, what recreational activities are doing, are you doing? And then we just talked about this working on our posture when we're, when we're sitting, is that training, um, flexibility is that training? A lot of people, when I have explored my, my flexibility training and would do stretching sessions, people would be like, so what are your like stretching sessions look like? How long are they? And I would tell them it's like 45 minutes to an hour. And they'd be like, really? I'm like, yeah. And it takes a lot of Mm -hmm. mental energy and physical energy as well to go through some of those flexibility sessions. There's varying intensity depending on what kind of flexibility training you're doing but there's no question that if you're if you're pushing it and you're trying to work on flexibility feet like a like a splits or a bridge or something like that you're going to be pushing the limits and again the nervous system is going to interpret that as like something that's very demanding you're going to be doing a lot of things that are like very active too that it's not just not just sitting there and into a stretch there's different activation yeah like end range training all that stuff and then is working on a skill training right time that we spend doing that again we talked a lot about the brain up to this point Mm -hmm. and skill development very much so i mean you and i talk about how after this podcast we're smoked yeah because we're trying to be on cognitively right and and conversationally and that takes a lot for the brain it does and it's the same for if you are, if you do, well, if you like remember back to school, if you like took a test that was really demanding, yep. you get out and you'd be like, I am fucking crushed. So like that's skill training is, is more equivalent to that. I would say like, you know, it's going to be a little bit less physically demanding. Like your body is not going to need to recover from it as much physically, but it's time and it's like, 
it's uh it's a lot on on the brain so you'll need to recover in like a different way from that kind of so playing playing off that time factor how often or how frequently should you train so it's gonna yeah so it's gonna how frequently you train depends on a lot of different factors some of them kind of like what we just talked about but there's uh the first concept to think about is how many different types of training days do you have that you're working on and what i mean by that is how many days are you trying to focus on strength Mm -hmm. how many days are you maybe spending on flexibility how many days are you trying to spend on cardiovascular work and then again like there's skill training that can be thrown in there that's a little bit easier to sprinkle in like juggling is another good example Ah. you can kind of do that whenever right yeah um but so that's the first toys (laughs) there you go juggling the baby that's the first question that you got to kind of think about it's different if you're if you're trying to focus on one thing so you'll see a lot of people specialize people more often than not you'll see people that are into running for example that are that like to participate in you know 10ks marathons half half marathons stuff like that triathlons triathlons like their training will exclusively be that and yeah. I would advise against it. You know, I've actually worked, and I'm sure you have as well, in in the physical therapy setting and even in our gym. Um, I've worked with people that are uh, triathletes or, mm-hmm. or distance-type um, athletes that prior to training with us or with wherever I was working at didn't really do any resistance training. And yeah. it kind of showed with nagging injuries yep. and things like that. A good example is Susan, who goes to... Our gym now, Susan Bromley. Shout out, what's up, Susan? Shout out, Susan. She's probably hitting the slopes in Tahoe right now, or oh, something, something fancy like that. To Utah. Yeah, she could be there too. But she is a very gifted endurance athlete, mm-hmm. and she'll deny True. it. But but she's it's, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie, and she's still crushing it. And she's yeah. um, going to be turning sixty soon. Should we be putting that out there? I think she would probably tell everybody she's going to try to okay. break a concept two record in that age group. So she, when, when she first started training with us, she hadn't done a lot of resistance training. Her cardiovascular capabilities were off the charts, mm-hmm. but she would have like little nagging things here and there. And also one thing that she really said is she noticed when she would go um, back to hit the slopes that she felt incredibly strong just from doing a little bit of resistance training. So that's the thing with those people is I think that a little bit of strength training can go a long way mm-hmm. for those, those more endurance athletes. So the more you specialize, that's where you're going to have to think about um, if you're going more the general route, you can probably do something every day. If yeah. you're really trying to specialize, you're going to need to recover pretty intensely from that activity. It's an investment at that point when yeah. you specialize, especially if you're competing at the higher levels. If you're trying to like win races or things like that, it there's a lot more that needs to be invested time financially, mm-hmm. like all these recovery other factors, wise. recovery wise. And um, the same thing applies to a power lifter. That, that's right? true. If they're trying true. to hit, if they're trying to win meets and stuff like that, like they're not going to want to spend time doing row like ski ergs and and no, rowing it doesn't and, make and any bikes. sense like it's there's just no point 
low like low intensity cardio maybe right. but right. not yeah, for long something. periods of time no and so in those cases those people are going to be training i mean again it depends on the sport but a powerlifter would maybe train more like like 4 days a week i'm not sure maybe you have more exp- exposure uh, experience you know that. who would be very good at that is shout out to melanie who's yeah. a newer member who has right. competed right right um, so it'd be interesting to ask her how frequently she would train. And again, maybe it looks different. Maybe it's like three hard days of strength work. And then on the off days, it's more recovery based structural work. Yeah. It's bodybuilding or something. Yeah, like that. Exactly. Just keeping the form, keeping the check, keeping in tune. But so that's the first thing is how many different things are you trying to work on? Are you trying to get strong, fast, flexible endurance all at the same time? Yeah. Cause that's going to change kind of how often you train. The other thing is going to be, what are you trying to work on? Which we just kind of discussed with, if you're trying to specialize, that's going to dictate, you know, how many days you train. Cause if it's an activity in which you need more recovery from, you might train a little bit less. You Go know? back to our programming episode for right. a little help on period, or at least a little inside look on periodization to yep. help you out with that. And then what other non-training activities are you participating in? Non-training is in quotes because of what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, but that can be uh, your recreational activity. That can be if you take your dog for walks, long walks, or walk with your spouse or your kids. That can be if you like to hike, right? And I've had conversations with people about this before. They don't think of like a hike as like, like training necessarily. And, and again, it's just different. If you do a 10 mile hike, like that's, that's pretty significant like impact on your body from a physical activity perspective. Yeah. Right. So you shouldn't sell that short, right? Like that's, that's good quality work or after that the next day. And yeah. <laughs> calves could be just shredded after that. And then what other life responsibilities do you have? That's obviously going to play a part. Do yeah. you have kids? Do you have a job spouse? You know, any other commitments that are going to like impact how often you can train? And then the last thing, and this is a big one, how important is training to you in this moment, Mm -hmm. right? And how important is it to you generally? So like someone that talks a lot about like this kind of mentality is Mark Bell. Listen to, I've listened to some of his podcasts recently, Power Project. It's a very interesting podcast. They're funny though. We always run into this with this, this kind of issue with people and ourselves. And in the context that I heard him talk about it, it was, it was around diet. Right. And he just says, sometimes I'm more interested in leaning into it than other times. And that'll be what dictates how hard he goes at the thing that he's trying to pursue. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're trying to get really, really fit, I mean, if you really want it, it's a question of how interested you are in it. Yeah. Right. And how interested you are in investing in the process that takes you there. Yeah. Right. And people that say, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Well, then you're just not really interested in it. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it's the same thing with anything that that we pursue. Right. Like with me trying to learn jujitsu. Right. I'm I'm really interested in it. And because of that, I make sure that I don't miss a session. Right. But if I become less interested in it, then it's like, you know, you're just you're just not into it. So I could say, oh, I'm not learning the techniques. But it's like, well, if you're not going as much because you're just less interested, then that, that's really what it comes down to. Fair enough. That's deep. I mean, 
Yeah, but it's true. It's true. You know, it's very and, true. And people are like, people are like, why am I not seeing the results and all this stuff? And it's, it's, it's commitment. like, yeah, it's commitment. And it's like, yeah, you know, what's it, the it's, it's formula again? T plus F equals R time plus frequency. And guess what? Also that what weighs into that time is the things that you do outside of your training as well. Yeah. That, that plays into that T factor. I just, I just created another term for the equation. <laughs> You know, the T factor is going to be more, you know, yeah. the, the, and the other kind of example to bring into it is like someone that's really interested in getting strong and fit when they leave the gym, they're going to go home, eat some good quality food. doesn't have to be the cleanest in the world, but just make sure you eat balanced. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? If they're really interested in it, they're probably going to cut off the entertainment at nine 30 or 10 and go to bed and read so that they go to sleep at a good time because they're interested in seeing the progress and the results. Yeah. They're not right? getting drunk. Yeah. I or mean, to be, to be blunt. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like the other alternative and that's what some people do. And again, that's fine. But if that is the case, then you're just not really interested mm -hmm. in, in, you know, making the specific gains that you might say you want. Fair right. enough. So, so let's move on. A little a truth talk. Yeah, a little truth talk. Let's move in on a little bit. And you touched upon this. What about the free? We touched about it briefly, the frequency and the different types of training. So let's start with strength training with in, and frequency, strength training and frequency. Yeah. One thing you definitely need to think about is the frequency, frequency with which you do it. Yeah. So Strength training, there's no question, has a pretty significant impact on the body. I mean, you literally are breaking down muscle tissue in in the gym, and then the recovery outside of the gym is what leads to new muscle gain. So if you're doing that too frequently, mm -hmm. then, I mean, it's very simple just the way I laid it out. You're doing it too frequently, there's just too much breakdown for your body to recover from. And that's exacerbated by things like not sleeping enough, not eating enough. Um, but again, it's, you know, I, I, there, there are some people that train like bodybuilders that might train like twice a day and stuff like that. But you got to ask the question, are they getting paid to do that? Um, mm -hmm. Are they on TRT? Uh, do they just like, is that their job? Right. Yeah. If that's their job, then sure. They can just train and eat all day. That's a whole um, different story. That's not everyone's daily life. Exactly. Right. Most people have other responsibilities and good for them for being able to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely demanding. And I think some forms, you know, one thing that's going to weigh into that is intensity. So like, for example, I believe that people could probably do pushups and pull-ups every day, um, mm -hmm. probably, and, and be fine. Like obviously if they're maxing out reps every day, then you might run into an issue and some overuse stuff, but yeah. Generally, if people were like, I'm going to do 100 push-ups and 25 pull-ups every day, uh, you could do that and your body would adapt to that stimuli and you'd get good at them. Yeah. Um, and you'd be able to do that pretty much indefinitely, I think. It's like that training for specificity piece, like just getting better at it over time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas if you were to try to like deadlift like 80% of your 1RM five days a week, like that is not going to work as well. Yeah. I think we got to be used a little, load that it's yeah, just. we got to use a little common sense, but I think in general strength training could make up 
like three days a week of, of training. If you're training more in a GPP format, which is general physical preparedness, if you're focusing on muscle gain, I think you can get away with four strength training days. Um, but then you would definitely need to have probably two of those days essentially fully off aside from just like you getting out and walking the non-training, uh, modalities. Yeah. Like about. neat, like, um, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, still trying to keep that high on those off days yeah. for sure. But you and wouldn't want to do, yes, dogs always <laughs> keep you moving. Um, you wouldn't want to do like, yeah, you wouldn't want to do like a super hard sit, hit session. I think, I think that would not, that would not fare well in the middle of four Oof. big time, like muscle gain S- days, especially if you're trying to go for shout out Jackson for trying to go to the 400 club. Yeah, 400. Oh, 1,000 pound club. 1,000, yeah. He yeah, needs yeah. 400 on a couple of things, I think. Yeah, he's pretty much there. Um, and then... Oh, go for it. Cardiovascular training. Uh, so that, I think there's less demand to recover from a, from like a tissue damage perspective and metabolic perspective, perhaps. However, the impact on the nervous system can be relatively the same or similar. Um, what do you mean by that? What I mean is like, if you're redlining every day, that's not going to last very long. And again, Susan, I've had, cause she comes in and she mostly does conditioning work. Cause that's, again, she's, that's kind of her goal is to, to uh, focus on um, her skier. Yeah. And getting a, getting a record on that. I had to have a conversation with her because she seemed to be redlining too much. Got it. When when some of the days should have been treated more as active recovery, where you get your cardiovascular system going and you get a little volume in, but you're not taking your body to the point where I think a lot of us have been there. And this is what we mean by redlining, where your your eyes feel like you're they're gonna pop out of your head. It's like the feeling you get when you do like a two K for time. Ah. And you're like panic breathing and you're like white because you're like losing blood sugar very fast. If you're doing that like every day, it's There's just going to add life. up. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it in various gyms. The one that we used to work at, like the, the method kind of switched to that. And like some people, like actually a lot of people told me that they ended up like getting various like overuse injuries because they were just fried all the time. That's so, where things like rhabdo come in. Yeah, you can get yeah, you, you can get stuff that. like that. So again, yeah, like cardiovascular, you, I think you can get away with doing it every day if the intensity is right. Mm-hmm. And that's where that like marathon runner or someone that is a quote unquote endur- endurance athlete would probably do some sort of volume every day, but they're going to be smart about managing the intensity. Yeah. And cardiovascular work can also be great as active recovery as as well so that's where it's good to do it frequently so depending on intensity i think people could do it like i said daily if they're training training high intensity which i kind of followed this structure when i was trying to improve my 2k row i did one hard conditioning session every week and when i say hard i mean it was to the point where it scared me every time to do it oh wow yeah that's off that's not very much of a word that you say me scared yeah i mean I just knew how bad it was going to hurt. Yeah. And it was self-inflicted. So it's just like you have to gear your yourself up in a certain way. So the one of the very few times I've ever heard him say he's scared of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Well, that's kind of you. Uh 
Yeah. So, but anyways, so one hard full workout and then on my, that was on a Wednesday, Monday, Friday, I did 10 minutes of accessory conditioning work, but no more, no more than 10 minutes. And that seemed to work pretty well. Oh, nice. Like I rode my, yeah. I mean, I rode my best 2k after training like that. Wow. Amazing. You touched on active recovery. What about flexibility and frequency? Yeah. So this is an area that people often don't think about as training. I mentioned splits and bridge and stuff earlier, but there might be some people that just want to touch their toes and you can train for that. I think that flexibility similar to strength training makes a big impact on the nervous system. Mm. Like there are some flexibility sessions that I've done where like the next day I am crushed. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the area that you trained sore is very sore and it's very sore in like a different way because you're tapping into end range. Strength work essentially is what it is. So, you know, those that that day after for sure, you need to be kind of mindful of what you do. You don't want to do like a super hard side split session or something like that. And then the next day, like max out your back squat, especially if you're new to either of those training modalities. I think in some cases it could use it could use two days, but you can break your flexibility out into specific focuses like, uh, again, a, a specific flexibility feat, like you could do a side split session, front split session, bridge session. You could also do frontal plane, sagittal plane, upper, lower. You can kind of break them out that way. And with those areas in mind, I think doing two days of flexibility, maybe you do one lower, one upper. I think you could see pretty good results from that. More than three days, especially if it's not just like static passive stretching, more than three days can be pretty tough to manage recovery wise if you're also doing strength training on top of it. So I tried to do that for a while, I think where I did like three flexibility days, three strength days, and it was just a lot. Like I could just tell it was a lot for my body to recover from because after the flexibility work, the next day I would experience a range regression, which is normal. Mm-hmm. But then I'd try to go do something like back squat like or a deadlift. Full, full and, range back squat. Right. And it was just like, man, my hips are tight from yesterday's flexibility works. And, you know, one thing I'll say with all of this, like everybody's tolerance is different. We talked a little bit about this. I don't know in which episode, but I think it's one of the more recent ones. It was. Yeah. So everybody has a different tolerance for training and for certain types of training, right? Some people may do flexibility work and end range training and the next day they might be okay. Shout out Lena. Yeah. And she's like done flexibility work for a long time. So Mm -hmm. that's part of it is her training age with that type of training is years. Yeah. So decades. So that's, that's another thing to keep in mind is how, how are you feeling from the experience and then using that to make your decision about how you go, how you go about your setting up your frequency with your various sessions. Well, then to wrap things up around here, what are some things that you can leave the audience with in terms of frequency and fitting that or accounting for that in their training? Yeah. So my recommend, my first recommendation is to try not to do too many things. A lot of times people come in and they're like, I want to get better at all these, all these various things, right? Focus on less initially, and then you can kind of build from there. If you're just trying to get fit and healthy, a general physical preparedness structure is a good way, a good approach. And that's essentially like three to four strength days, one to two cardiovascular days, and one to two days of flexibility. 
And with all of those, you can adjust intensity, right? So if you're trying to get better at cardiovascular, maybe you want those two days to be hard, then maybe some of your strength days are a little bit lighter and you're just working on technique and things like that. So yeah, those are some basic principles to, to follow when you're just setting up your, your frequency. And with that, avoid the bullshit, avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.